0: And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today?
1: Well, today our show is about consumer privacy, and we have a wonderful consumer privacy expert with us who has been on our show before. We are just thrilled to welcome back... Chi Chi Wu, who is a staff attorney at the National Consumer Law Center, which is a nonprofit focusing on marketplace justice for low income consumers. Chi Chi is an expert on consumer credit issues ranging from credit cards to medical debt to fair credit reporting. And she's also the co author of the legal manual, Fair Credit Reporting Act, and the other one, Credit Discrimination, and a contributing author to Cost of Credit truth in lending, and collection actions. Chi Chi is frequently serving as a resource for policymakers in D.C. and with the media on consumer credit issues. She's previously worked in the Consumer Protection Division at the Massachusetts Attorney General's Office and the Asian Outreach Unit of Greater Boston Legal Services. You can find out more about the National Consumer Law Center at nclc.org, and we're going to find out more from Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi, thank you so much for joining us all the way from beautiful Boston.
0: Well, thank you so much, Mari, for having me on your show. Really appreciate it, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yeah.
1: Well, it's wonderful to have you back, and I, I get to you know, communicate with you a little bit on our listserv and see all the great work that the NCLC is doing. And and we really appreciate you because that is so important that consumers don't get left out and especially people who are low income. And, and unfortunately that particular portion of our society right now is growing and growing. Would you just, I think just so people get a little bit of an idea, can you tell a little bit more about the National Consumer Law Center?
0: Sure, sure. As you mentioned, Mari, we are a nonprofit. We We're about 40 years old, and we focus on policy and advocacy issues for consumers, particularly low-income consumers. We were actually founded um, as a legal services support center. So we used to provide technical assistance and advice to the many field legal services offices across the country that represent poor people. We don't do that anymore because of some changes in funding the law. But, you know, that's our background. And actually, a lot of the work still relates to um, that background. So, you know, we we focus on uh, low-income consumers. We help attorneys um, representing them. We provide technical assistance. And we're also known for our, uh, I think we're up to 18 volumes of legal treatises on consumer law issues.
1: I know, and I have several of them. They're wonderful. So let's talk about what law governs credit reporting in the United States so everybody has a clear idea about that.
0: Um, Absolutely. The law that governs credit reporting is called the Fair Credit Reporting Act. It was passed in about 1970, so it's a little over 40 years old, and it provides um, some sort of basic... Protections—you uh, know—the right to get a copy of your credit report. It restricts who can see it. Um, it has some standards for accuracy, and it provides rights to dispute errors in your report. Um, and as I said, it's—it's it's about forty years old now.
1: And so, in terms of since 1970, there's been some changes. Why don't you talk about some of those really important changes recently?
0: Well, the most important change that's happened recently, um, and it's sort of a game changer, is uh, the, uh, a law that some of your listeners may be familiar with. It was called the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act of 2010, or the Dodd-Frank Act for short. That's the law that established the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or the CFPB, which has been in the news recently with the president's recess appointment of Richard Cordray as its head. Uh, the Dodd-Frank Act also uh, enacted a whole bunch of reforms affecting consumer laws and, of course, banks and financial services.
1: And and before that, in, in like 1996, we had some changes with regard to giving more uh, rights to consumers, right? And then in 2003, we had the Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act that gave people more help with regard to identity theft. So there's been lots of changes, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's been definitely lots of changes in the last uh, 40 years. And the two big ones besides Dodd-Frank, as you mentioned, were the 1996 um, Consumer Credit Reform Act amendments, um, which uh, posed responsibilities on entities that provide or furnish information to the credit reporting agencies, uh, and then the 2003 um, Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act amendments that you know, provide for alerts and blocking of identity theft information and the, the right to get information about the identity theft application, the whole host of rights, right. and those are absolutely critical as well.
1: Yeah, so really the Fair Credit Reporting Act at least from my perspective has has been a, a really important um help to consumers to be able to get information, know what what is being collected about them and have a a chance to dispute it and correct it and really have more of more control over how their information is used. Wouldn't you
0: say? Well, absolutely, Mari. I mean the the Fair Credit Reporting Act is important in providing consumers with a sort of a baseline of rights to at least know what the credit reporting agencies are saying about you to to try to get to errors fixed um, and to to make sure that not everybody in the world can see this, you know, confidential, private, sensitive information. Um, But the the Dodd-Frank Act um, changes to the Fair Credit Reporting Act Will actually hopefully help improve things um, by adding more.
1: Let's talk about some of those changes because that's that's since it's just 2010, it's really going to become more apparent right now, right?
0: Yes, yes. In fact, a lot of these changes um, didn't kick in until um, July 2011, when the C- this Consumer Financial Protection Bureau or CFPB got started and running. Uh, some of the protections actually don't even kick in until there's regulations issued this summer. Um, so the, 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 some of the big changes, um, or some of the smaller and some of the big changes that the Dodd-Frank Act made, I mean, the two smaller but still very critical changes um, are that uh, Dodd-Frank Act um, provides a, a right to your credit score, the actual credit score that a creditor uses, if that creditor turns you down for credit or charges you a higher price for credit. Um, you know, up until now, the only way to get your credit score is you had to buy it, and um, what you often bought wasn't the same credit score that lenders actually use. Lenders, you know, most of the time, they use a FICO score, but if you buy your credit score, sometimes you don't get a FICO score from... the the credit bureaus. And so what Dodd-Frank did is it said, well, if you're denied credit or you have to pay more for it based on your score, you have the right to actually see the score that the lender used. And that that was important. Um, The other thing that Dodd-Frank did was it requires the CFPB to study the differences between those scores that lenders get and the ones that you buy um, from the credit bureaus. Now,
1: and that's going to be important because, yeah, because like now we know that the credit bureaus each have their own credit scoring. And, you know, I, I have a monitoring service, so I get to see and, and they're pretty close. You know, they're they're about the same, maybe 20 points different, maybe sometimes 30 points different, depending on what they have on, um, you know, that's reported to them but um yeah but if it's going to be very different from my fico score that's going to really hurt me if i apply to refinance my home right
0: right right i mean even 20 30 points difference can make a huge difference if it moves you from one what they call risk tier right. to another right right and so you know you you know you you know if you're a good consumer and you buy your score before you you know apply for a mortgage or a car loan you know you might get one score and then um, the, the mortgage lender or the um, auto lender might get a score that might be different enough to put you in a, in a whole different risk tier. So... Um, Getting the actual score that that mortgage lender or auto lender used it will actually provide a lot of information to consumers, and that was one of the positive changes to uh, by the Dodd-Frank Act. Um, well,
1: I got a question about that, and so, Chi Chi, if that happens, let's say that I've got a score of 780 or 800 that I buy from one of the credit bureaus or all of them, and then. And then the the score that they get from the lender is quite a bit different. Do I have a right to dispute that, or what? What is that? If if they give it to me for free, I get you know I get a copy of it, and then I see it's totally different. Can I dis? Do I have a right to dispute that under Dodd Frank?
0: Well, you have a right to, is to dispute errors in your credit report. Right. So if, if the reason that you got a lower score. Um, is because there's an error in your credit report, you have a right to dispute that. You know, maybe it's sh- showing a late payment and you didn't m- make a late payment. Now, the fact that the scores are different, unfortunately, you don't have a right to actually dispute that because the reason it may be different is that the score that you got sold from by the credit bureau may not be using the same...
1: Algorithm, um, yeah. Yeah, but
0: the, the same software model, um, the same programming to crunch the numbers. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you don't have a right to to um, to dispute that
1: so would you say that it, instead of buying from the credit bureau since that's just their own made-up number is it better if, if you're going to buy it that you buy it from FICO fair Isaac is it is that something that you I don't know if you want to say that but does that make sense
0: well the problem is you can buy your FICO score based upon your um, Equifax report but unfortunately, you can't buy your FICO score based on your Experian report. They won't sell it to you. They'll only sell your Vantage score based on your Experian report. That's actually a problem.
1: Can I go um, right to Fair Isaac, who, who does that FICO score?
0: No, no, because the score has to be generated based upon your credit report. Right. And so this is a the FICO score that's generated based upon the information in your Experian report, and you have to get it from Experian. FICO actually doesn't even sell the scores; They mm-hmm. sell the computer model that generates
1: the score. Uh, huh, huh.
0: Yeah, so and if, if, if your listeners are not happy that they can't get their FICO score based upon um, their Experian report, and it's really hard to get it, I think. It may even be impossible to get it based on your TransUnion report. Um, should, they should let the CFPB know, and they should let their Representatives in Congress know, because that's about all they can do. Let's
1: talk about the new consumer financial. Uh, what's it called? The consumer financial protection protection. protection. Yes, the word kind of left me. Yeah, let's talk about that. Now that that's like you said, really, they opened their doors just in 2011. So so let's talk about what. Authority do they have, and how does that differ from the authority from the fair, uh, from the uh, you know from the Federal Trade Commission? Because the Federal Trade Commission was in charge really of all issues regarding the Fair Credit Reporting Act before. So, so what's happening now?
0: Well, the Dodd Frank Act and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau are real game changers because the Dodd Frank Act not only transferred authority. Uh, over the FCRA to the the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or you can say CFPB. It rolls off the tongue much easier. (laughs) Um, The CFPB not only gets the the authority to enforce the Fair Credit Reporting Act, but they get rulemaking authority, and they get supervision authority over certain entities. Um, And that's critical. Um, They get supervision authority over some of the furnishers and users of credit reports, so banks over $10 billion, private student lenders, payday lenders, and they get supervision authority over what are called larger participants in a market for consumer financial products or services.
1: So is that like the big credit card companies like Citibank, uh, or is that considered a bank? You know, and that, that's, are they covered for that, for credit card uh, companies yeah. or no? Okay.
0: The, the CFPB um, has supervision authority over the big banks, so Citibank, Chase, the banks over $10 billion in assets. Okay. The larger participants, they have to establish who they are by rulemaking, but we, we have a pretty good sense. You know, I would be willing to, if I were a gambling person, put money that the larger participants are going to include the big three credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion.
1: Hmm. So help me understand, all the things that we've been dealing with the Federal Trade Commission and that they've had um, enforcement, um, you know, uh, authority under the Federal Trade Commission, that's transferred or are they both working together? I, what's going to happen?
0: Well, they are They're certainly working together because there's, there's got to be a, a transition. Uh, but the difference is that the, the Federal Trade Commission um, authority over the big three credit bureaus as well as the rest of the consumer reporting industry was in the posture of law enforcement, which means in order to do anything, they had to you know, find a violation, put together evidence, and then take some sort of enforcement action. Right. Um, the CFPB will have authority to supervise the larger participants, which we think will include the credit bureaus, so this means they don't have to wait for violation. They can go in, like a bank regulator, mm. regulator goes into a bank, and say, "We want to see what your processes and procedures are. Open up your books. You know, what are you doing about this?" Um, and then they can review all of that and say, "Well, we don't think this procedure is adequate to comply with the." FCRA, you know, you need to make these changes to improve your systems. It's a whole different ballgame. It gives them so much greater authority and uh, tools in their toolbox.
1: So let me ask you something. So, for example, um, I have some victims of identity theft that um, cannot get, you know, under FCRA 609E, they're supposed to be able to get the documents of the fraud, Right. And I have some victims who have been dealing with a large bank and the bank is refusing to give them the documents of the fraud. And, and we're pretty sure that the reason that they're uh, not willing to do that is because it was um, a ring of dirty insiders. And so would would those victims be able to go to this new Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and make a complaint about this bank or should they go to the Federal Trade Commission?
0: Well, there is a period of transition right now. Right now, um, the CFPB is only taking complaints about credit card issues and mor- uh, mortgage issues. So, mm. because it involves credit cards, they can go to the CFPB. The FTC is still taking uh, complaints about identity theft. Um,
1: but they don't have any, but they are. Work don't out
0: have... who gets what complaints. Um, the authority that I'm talking about, supervision um, for. The credit bureau doesn't kick in until after um, a rule making this summer is concluded, and you know obviously it's going to take some time for the um, the c f p b to to you know get started in a supervision c- program that situation you're talking about actually it sounds like it's the bank, not the credit bureaus right yeah. The issue. The, the, these
1: are the banks yeah and yeah and and, so and, and you know
0: certainly even now um, you're you know you're- uh, Consumers you're dealing with have the right to go to um, the regulator for that bank and complain.
1: But you Um, know, but you know, Chi Chi, that the controller of the currency that who is really the regulator for the banks until this new consumer financial protection bureau is really up and running. um, They I can tell you from literally dozens and maybe hundreds of victims that the controller of the currency does nothing with regard to the banks they seem to be all on the same team so they have yeah
0: yeah and you know we certainly have had our concerns of, about that as well the cfpb is the new regulator for consumer protection for the big banks as i yes. said banks over 10 billion So to the extent that uh your clients are g- dealing with a big bank. Yes, we're talking um, about big banks. They can now send their um, complaints to the CFPB. The CFPB will be the regulator. And it's important because, you know, the OCC has this sort of split mission, you know, when it comes to consumer protection. Um, They were supposed to uh, enforce the consumer laws, but they were also supposed to ensure the safety and soundness of the bank. Right. Um, Now you've got a regulator, the CFPB, that is solely focused on protecting consumers. It doesn't have this internally conflicting mission. And so that's important. So we we hope to see uh, improvements on all levels with respect to consumer protection and financial services.
1: So let's go back. And and I mean, it's really a a, a great uh, avenue, a great opportunity for consumers to get some more help, which uh, thank goodness that that has happened. But let's talk about really what does super besides um, they have the supervision kind of clarify that for me. So they can they can go in and investigate. Right. They yeah, can, they can go they can... in. And it's
0: not just investigating. They just they can review everything. I mean, this is this is a supervisor, so this is someone who gets to oversee the operations, look over the shoulder,
1: mm. and make up some new companies. rules as they go along without without having to pass laws or, or what happens. I mean, when you, they're going to have you said rule making authority as well. So how is that going to work?
0: Well, the rule making authority. Is also really significant. It's also a big change. Um, You know, a lot of administrative agencies often have the ability to enact rules just to implement a law in general. um, Right. You know, to to interpret the law, to set up procedures for the law, to interpret definitions. Um, For example, the Federal Reserve Board, until the Dodd-Frank Act, had that authority over the Truth in Lending Act. And the Supreme Court said several times that whenever the Federal Reserve Board issued a regulation about truth in lending, they were entitled to great deference. I mean, mm. the courts had to respect, I mean, that, those regulations had the force of law. The FTC never had that kind of authority over right. the Fair Credit Reporting Act. They had little pockets of rulemaking authority over specific provisions. But they n- never had sort of general, broad rulemaking authority to just implement any provision of the FCRA. And so the Dodd-Frank Act added that rulemaking authority um, to the FCRA, and that power li- lies with the CFPB. So, for example, you know, the CFPB could enact regulations that uh, interpret what constitutes a reasonable procedure for maximum possible accuracy.
1: Oh, that would be great.
0: (laughs) So they could do things that were very specific. They would say, you know, in order to have reasonable procedures for maximum possible accuracy, you know, you must um, match information to a consumer's file using all nine digits of a social security number. Right. Something that, you know, has been a source of contention uh, for consumer advocates for a long time. Um, they can both either issue regulations or take supervisory action with regard to the dispute process. Uh, you know, the last time I was on your show, Mari, we had a long discussion about all the problems with the dispute process at the credit bureaus and how, you know, it's, it's just an automated travesty, you know.
1: And they uh, outsource it to India and Pakistan and all sorts of places, so you don't even really have, you know, someone to talk to in the United States if you do talk to someone half the time.
0: Right. I mean, they're just all sorts of problems. They don't, you know, they don't even conduct an independent review, whatever the the creditor or the the furnisher of information says, you know, they take. And so um, the CFPB will have the authority to say, you know, you've got to improve this dispute system so that it's meaningful, so that you actually have a, a human being that understands the system reviewing it and making an independent judgment as to whether there's an error or not.
1: Well, I got a question then, Chi-Chi. Then you, who are in a wonderful position to uh, give some help to the, nas- you know, as the National Consumer Law Center, um, you, you're you out there. Are you going to be making a list of recommendations for rulemaking um, that that maybe are is endorsed by many consumer lawyers? I mean, is that something that's on your plate?
0: Um, that is certainly something that um, is we are contemplating doing, uh, putting together a list of reforms. Um, right now, we've been involved in the rulemaking process as part of um, uh, the, the, the getting started at the agency. So, so uh, As I mentioned before, um, the larger participant rulemaking, the CFPB actually has to establish by regulation who are these larger participants. So that's a rulemaking process. We've been involved in that. Um, you know, we've been involved in, you know, right now they're looking at all these consumer regulations. The CFPB is inheriting a bunch of regulations, um, both under FCRA and uh, Truth in Lending and other consumer statutes. We're, we're looking at um, how this, we're commenting on behalf of consumers on this streamlining process. So. Um, we certainly are involved and we you know we have in our advocacy um, put together a list of reforms that we think would improve the accuracy of the system um, you, Do you know, have those the on your last time we talked we had we talked about the automated injustice report about the dispute system we have a whole bunch of recommendations there we've certainly given a copy of the report to the cFpb
1: and and so are all of these on your website as well
0: um the uh, yes, our comments uh, to the CFPB, our reports—they're all on our website. Our website is um, www.nclc.org, um, or uh, you can also use www.consumerlaw.org.
1: Yeah. So. Um what do you think about this? What What do you think basically will happen with the CFPB in terms of improving credit reporting? You think it's really going to make a difference?
0: Um, we certainly hope it will make a difference, um, and we do think that supervision and rulemaking will give the CFPB powerful tools that the Federal Trade Commission never had, and so give them the ability to improve the system significantly. Um, you know. Consumers who have problems with credit reporting should let the CFPB, you know, even though they're, right now they're, they're focused on credit cards and mortgages, at some point they're going to also focus on credit reporting, and so consumers should, you know, send copies of things to the CFPB, um, as well as their representative of Congress. I mean, the CFPB can do a lot with these new tools, but ultimately Congress is the, the one with the power to make big changes.
1: Well, we surely appreciate all that you're doing out there in Boston because this is so important. Even though you focus on low income, it really helps everybody when consumers are are being uh, supported by NCLC. You're just wonderful. So thank you so much, Chi-Chi, for joining us. And we hope that uh, we can talk again when this thing is up and running and find out all the great things that you're doing to get some good rulemaking going. So thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you, Mars, for having me.
1: Okay, we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Host of Privacy Piracy, join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at kuci.org/privacypiracy, where you can see our upcoming guests and their bios, and be connected to their URLs, as well as listen to archived interviews and download podcasts. And write to us about what's important to you or what you're concerned about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private.